Hi, my name's Elijah and welcome to The Roots Podcast, an interview channel that shares the stories of people in hospitality, whether it be in the restaurant, out in the field, and those in the media. It's a retrospective look on the passion, ambition, and drive involved in the competitive industry. Roots Podcast is proudly supported by the Sydney Direct Fresh Produce, the fruit and veg supplier led by Luke Kohler, who has provided Sydney with some of the best and local produce since he was 16 years old and still smashing it out today. Setting a landmark bar that strives to change the conceptions of waste was never going to be easy. It relies on ingenuity, passion, patience and making a lot of mistakes. No different to whenever you strive to do something good. But when you have two experienced and forward-thinking people at the helm of it all, you can only expect the best. From using the whole mango, including dehydrating the seeds to add bitterness to cocktails, to using the pulp after juicing for vinegars and kombuchas. The -the out-of-the-box thinking here is one of a kind, but also incredibly necessary. They are aiming to be completely zero waste in the next few years, and with having been recently rated the 46th best bar in the world by World's 50 Best and getting the Kettle One Sustainable Bar of the Year award, it's clear that Matt Wiley and his right-hand man, Evan Strove, are on the right path. So it was great to sit down and chat about sustainability in a hospitality context. I hope you enjoy this episode. Yes. <laughs> Fucking have your long black and shut up. Yeah. <laughs> it was so funny, man. Yeah, I was like, Bill Gates can't be that bad. Sorry, yeah, devil. Yeah. But more on this, uh, I feel like it would be good to get going on this restaurant because what I feel like would be interesting from me working at, a, I suppose, being a, like I said, being a vegetable restaurant, it kind of yeah. does lend itself to be able to, should be able to do this more so. Meat waste is, there's, interesting but in terms of breaking it down in a like safe environment you'd need a separate bin i feel like to a fruit and veg i don't know if you do no, you, you actually don't oh really yeah but if you look at meat waste people pretty much eat pretty pretty much eat most of the animal yeah right we're, we're pretty good at eating off or eating inside of the bones like bone marrow so butchers are pretty good at breaking down the whole animal and, and selling it yeah right and and then it goes into sausages, McDonald's, like we, we mince and shit. We, yeah, we use loads of that shit. Yeah, right. So I think the meat industry is pretty good at using most of it. It's sorted itself yeah. out. It's had time to think about it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, right. Okay, so if we if we're able to kind of apply maybe what you've been able to do and and and, and talk about compost as well, like with yellow, if we were to use yellow as the example of maybe some of the things that we can start doing because we're all for it. Like Sam's very wanting to be able to cut down and think about how we can reuse and, and, and similar process, but he's just so fresh to it. Yeah. You know what, do you know what I mean? Like, if you can maybe think about the things you do here at the bar, but also maybe how that can translate to a kitchen and or what you've seen or heard that we could do. Because, I mean, because there's like myself, Evan, mainly Jake, and there's a couple of the, the younger guys who start working on drinks as well. There's always a lot of cross-communication right. of like where we, where we put stuff. And when there's like, and then if we still have something that we're left over, um, we can then give it to the chef. Like one of your old cocktails, we were yeah. using we we're using poor man's orange, and it was used in like eight different ways because yeah. we we're using it in different vinegars and stuff like that. And, and Evan was pretty good at like working with the chef to like utilize it. Classically, in a in a kind of bar restaurant setup, you'd have the kitchen kitchen staff, then you'd have the bar staff, and there wouldn't be much cross communication between the two of them but here Lewin's literally in this island <laughs> kitchen directly behind us you can turn around and tap him on the shoulder which makes kind of that that um, cross utilization of produce quite easy yeah um, 
that's something yeah that's something you don't you don't often see in restaurants and bars how just out of interest how many how many restaurants have you worked in that, that do compost none 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 like no like that have a specific compost bin yeah no yeah i think yeah i think it's it's not it's not normal no it's even not. even when i went out to our fruit and veg supplier they've got like this huge like skip that yeah that just uses their green waste yeah right and i was like where's that going and I was like, ben because <laughs> like, that could be a compost bin yeah it could be exactly the same as what we use it just could go to the same place yeah it's like compost it and they're like how and yeah then, maybe. And i think and i think that's what that's what that's the it, yeah. the company's called org and they've been they they you see it now i've told you it's org yeah. you'll see their bins everywhere <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. but they but it's specifically now for hospitality is the compost connect yeah right and they're, and they're they're now communicating more with hospitality venues to highlight this yeah yeah maybe before then it kind of seemed too difficult or there wasn't a specialist service for that yeah right. composting but now it's really easy you just kind of you, you link up with this company who then provide your bin and then it's a matter of you know incorporating that into your daily thought and rather than instinctively throwing something into general waste kind of stopping yourself and thinking should this go into compost should this go into paper recycling should this go into general waste and yeah then, that for me starting here was the hardest thing was trying to break that daily thought pattern of this is the way that I've always done it and now this is the way that we need to start yeah right I think historically over the last few years actually big corporates have been leading the way because they have a, a connection with org you like in this precinct there's they've got like a place where they recycle oil and they've got the massive org bins and they're, they're just in the bin the massive bin areas of Commonwealth Bank and Channel Seven, so they they already do it because when I when I discussed it, they're like, yeah, we've already got bins there, and they're in big corporate buildings and offices for their for them to recycle their green waste. Yeah. So, but obviously that's something that you kind of got you've got here, but that's more or less your 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 backup after you've used as much as basically as much as you can, if not most of it. That's where that essentially goes yeah. for now until you guys have the future plan to be as zero waste as possible yeah is the, is the future plan yeah and absolutely like the majority of our produce will go through one use followed by a second use yeah if not trying to use the whole fruit or vegetable how is that going can i ask what are some of the things you, you guys are, are stuck on in terms of like you get to the week and you're like fuck i just still need to figure something out for this but i just can't like what would be an example of that here i reckon it's mainly pulp isn't it yeah we've, we've used the pulp to infuse into something else to create like a secondary third flavor but it's still once you've utilized everything there's still a raw matter left over oh and that's right. where we're generally going the compost yeah right. it's, it's kind of been it's used to the point that all of its kind of flavor or, or value so to speak has been extracted and now it yeah it's just right it's now it's like wood wood shavings you know yeah where well, yeah. you, you could make sugar cane kind yeah. of containers but you don't know how to do that yet. yeah like, yeah that'd be ideal eh? Yeah, yeah, right. So that far, I get you. Yeah, right. Lots of things like you're also confined by scale. Um, like in reality, we're an 85-seater bar and we could figure out ingenious ways to use everything to the nth degree to the point where we have nothing left. But then it's a case of where do we put that, you know? Um, we, yeah, we've, we've been pretty clever so far. Things like using a whole mango, whole lychee, using everything from the seed to add bitterness, the, the flesh of the fruit 
as you would classically use it to the skin um, and then kind of offloading that to the kitchen so then Lewin can make a vinegar or yep. you know or we ferment that into a kombucha or something yeah yeah in terms of like the processes within the four walls like we're pretty pretty good yeah we're, there's there's been a lot to learn um, <laughs> in, ter- in terms of from where we were on day one to where we are now and with and it's it's generally communication if we, yeah if we don't communicate properly <laughs> it literally breaks down instantly yeah right day one was so funny it was it was so it was before we'd opened uh and we'd before we'd gone into service and we kind of created this uh line of communication through whatsapp with the guys from sydney direct oh yeah and they'd kind of hit us up and they'd let us know um in theory what waste they had or what fruit was kind of destined for landfill and this first day they just kind of sent everything to us <laughs> yeah, they sent they sent a picture and it was like a couple of punnets of strawberries, some some melons and some plantain or something. Yeah, and we're like, do you want any of this? And it was like, just like this, in the picture, just like nothing. Yeah, fuck it, we'll take it all. When 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 they, when they said take it all, they mean everything. Yeah, so we cruise in for our prep shift at nine a.m. to be greeted by like these ten, twelve tr- massive big market trays of strawberries. Fuck. And like, Rock melons fucking everywhere. That's even, hilarious. It was like down to here, like halfway into the bar. It was like outside, and we was like, "Holy fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> Rock melon was on the menu for about five months. Yeah, we'd process strawberry in every pot. If you want to know how to process a strawberry, just ask us. Mate. That's, yeah. <laughs> we got strawberries on the menu. Yeah, so. we, we put, we made, we filled two thirty-liter um, drums to ferment strawberries in. Fuck me, with just strawberry. Yeah, we just we like crushed them like you would like make wine like hand pressed. Wow, hand pressed strawberry wine. <laughs> good. It was really good. Some bottles keep around somewhere. It's <laughs> actually not bad. Yeah. Do you have all that like the wine and the and the distilling up? Is that what's up there? The big big yeah, nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So there's wine and and spirits. Yeah, we we, we generally make ferment things into wine or lacto ferment. Yeah, yeah. And then we and then we distill things as well. I think. <coughs> As we go into like the future, when the world starts to get back to normal, and we and we have when the venues can be full all the time, I think the natural progression would be making different spirits out of our waste because yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a way that we can generate revenue away from the bar with the stuff that we would normally put into compost. Yeah, um, and, I, and I think that it makes the most sense ever for that. That's the way to use it. Yeah, yeah. but the minute we're just we're just not busy enough. Right, we'd totally get a distilling license as well, 100%. <laughs> yeah, we distill water. Yeah, yeah. Lots of essential oils upstairs. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah. Bath bombs. Yeah. <laughs> Bath bombs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. That'd have been a lockdown project. Yeah, um, yeah totally. But this, is, but this is, like, really interesting because I, I feel like when, when we think about being here, having the, the, the skill and the enthusiasm to be able to do a whole range of skills like you couldn't have been able to open up this place without being at the right time where you are you couldn't have been able to do it 15 years ago or, or however long it was before that you knew how to distill yep. you know you know do you know what i mean like mm. so it's kind of like it's the right place at the right time where you know you're able to take this running and go wow well i'm at this point where i know so much skills or i have so much knowledge that i can that i can now think think about a strawberry and go 
or I know 15 ways to do this instead of 10 years ago I only knew seven I wish I, knew, I wish I knew this 10 or 15 years ago because I'd yeah, save yeah. myself a lot of money yeah yeah well exactly <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. you think when you like worked in a bar 10 years ago you came in you just got your fruit and you cut it up to, to order and you just throw what you didn't know it's like literally just banging straight in the bin yeah and now, now I'm like wow the amount of money we wasted yeah it was insane yeah it's crazy but it's just I just feel like that's a, a I mean, it's a very introspective thing to think about when, when you think about it. Like, like I always feel the same being, being a chef at, at Yellow. Like, I wouldn't appreciate it when I first was an apprentice as opposed to where I'm a chef now, you know, where you learn, so, like, such an abundance of skills. You've worked at different workplaces and cultures. And then when you go to Yellow now and it's like, wow, I can really appreciate this for what I've known and, and how I can, where I can take this. Yep. And I feel like that's almost the same here. Is, or, I mean, I, I feel like that might be what, what you're thinking is that, when you open up here, re, where with everything you know, you can you can really go fuck. Like, I can take this from what I know, but also from what I'm willing to learn mm, as yep. well. It's it's almost a good project as a grounding to go. Well, I can use this as a place to go learn different shit as well. Whether you want to make fucking bath bombs or some shit, yeah. Like, yeah. But you can if you wanted to. Like, it's almost yeah. It's almost <laughs> like having um, this this waste reduction philosophy confines your creativity to the point where you have to become more creative it's a weird kind of yeah um it's a weird kind of catch-22 but dichotomy it's like within those confines you you're almost forced to become more creative and you know obviously the more tools that you have in your belt whether that's fermentation or distillation then the easier that becomes yeah it'd be like i I feel like the only way i understand this is that if every customer that came into yellow had some weird fucked up dietary that I yeah. couldn't use a menu for. Yeah, exactly. So I had to just yeah. make it up as I went along and every dish was just like, fuck me. Like, now you have to really think. You yeah. know, like you're forced to... Often not having those confines, you know, if you, if you had complete creative freedom, you, you've almost got too many options, you know. Mm. Your mind goes crazy with the possibilities that, that you can do. But having those confines gives you a bit of a structure yeah. and then you use the tools that you have at your disposal to, to kind of work on those ideas yeah, yeah. i think without without having the prep area we've got we wouldn't be able to do what we do no. yeah like you can go hey process all that food waste there's a blender and an induction hole like, yeah you're just literally you're making syrups <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just gonna make sours forever <laughs> yeah you just couldn't do it yeah no it's, it's fine I, feel, I do feel the same at yellow as well it's like having that equipment can mean the difference between making like even just like fucking having a japanese mandolin to make really beautiful sheets of, of produce yeah. as opposed to just like hand mentally. Yeah, it yeah, makes, yeah. makes such a difference, yeah. but just having the tools and the equipment can really change the level of, of, of how 100%. people also, but also how people perceive it as well. You know, being able to make your own spirits and wine is like people come here and go, oh, fuck, like that's, that's cool. I don't see that often totally. that you get to make that in-house. Man, like, the, the let of, me try it. The amount of people that come in and they're like, oh, can we, can we go for a tour up in the, in the lab? Oh, and, really? Yeah, people are genuinely... <laughs> Process is interesting and, and technique, tech is, is interesting. People are fascinated by that, particularly bartenders and chefs. Yeah. Like they want to see how we do stuff up there. and That's always gratifying at the end of the night after a couple of cocktails, taking them up there and you know, pouring out some fucking liquid nitrogen on the floor. And, <laughs> like they love it. <laughs> All for sure. Edit, yeah, yeah, edit, yeah. edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like liquid nitrogen all over them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We put gloves on. Yeah. <laughs> Safety gloves. Yeah, yeah. And wear masks. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I, I feel like, I don't know, is there another book maybe potentially in the works? Has that been thrown out there? Have to ask the big guy. The big dog. <laughs> I'm still a little bit scarred from the last book I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think potentially. I think when you open a bar, there's you're so engrossed in it and I find it so hard to take a step away from it right so writing a book just becomes like how it yeah, takes right. so much time um, but I would like to write another book yeah um, it's just finding a publisher in Australia because that publisher was in the UK and then yeah figuring it all out again but yeah another book would, would be good but I think while we're still learning it's probably not the right time yeah, yeah, there's yeah. still things we need to we need to learn. There's still process we need to figure out. There's there's still things that go in our general bin 100%. that we that we have to figure out solutions for. And I think until we've got the solutions, there will not, there's not really any point. Yeah, right. We'll have a book of questions. We're not experts. Yeah, we we'll just pretend by writing a book. When we've not learned anything, we will just pretend it. Yeah, <laughs> just a book of more questions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think down the track, it's you know it's a good idea. You think about how far we've come since we opened in April to now, and then you about how far down the track we'll be in another year on top of that it's yeah like, eventually it'd be cool yeah I just I feel like when you've, when you've got such a good concept idea and, and also full of ambition for solutions as well it kind of seems like that when you've figured it out that that would be the I, I suppose it'll become like the bookmark of, of every bar that would, would use yeah. As, yeah. as to go well how can I do, do something different it's like a chef's bible a sensor it could be like the a kitchen or a bartender's bible where it's where it's the same thing it's like using that as the standard to be able to go forward you know i think without even thinking about a book the way that we've the way that i've documented everything from inception of here there's definitely all the information's there from how we, how to build yeah it's not it wouldn't just be about produce about how to build sustainably as well yeah yeah um and how we went about it all the information's there. I found the, the, the first like drawing I gave to my architects. I drew on a piece of shitty paper. <laughs> I literally found it last week. <laughs> I was like, I want, I want a bar like this. And he was like, no, mate. Like, Why are you doing in crayon as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, colour, colour this in is the a lines. bar for ants? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so can, funny. You, can you stay inside the lines? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been trying to convince um, I've been trying to convince Brent more or less to do do something similar for yellow just as a as a, a benchmark because yellow being one of the very few fine dining vegetarian vegan restaurants in, yeah. in Sydney yeah. if you if you write it well enough you could this could be the book that other restaurants would use to go well how can we kind of elevate our our plant-based options for for the customers yeah. you know for for people that work and do it every day that live and breathe it that work on fruit and vegetables instead of the meat focus it'd be great to kind of have that as the as the bible or reference Absolutely. and that concept was at one point you know relatively niche and now it's becoming more and more mainstream which is exactly what we want with this place yeah exactly yeah 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 with, with more of the push as well yeah you know which is what's great about getting the the recent initiative with the loop cycle of restaurants yeah. and and stuff in as well like being able to get them involved yeah yeah 100% so just to briefly go over that like I, I thought maybe in my head and, and maybe I've just got it wrong but is it just any waste that the that venue has that's involved in that goes around or is it just one specific big waste 
that they do just for now to see how initially we we wanted to start really small with like 10 venues and for them for every venue to come and do a workshop here and to walk away from here knowing that i waste this and you're going to take it from me and and we're going to create like concentric circles within one big circle and then because we couldn't launch because of lockdown last year it's kind of evolved a little bit into something that we can do nationwide instantly so we're just taking our time a little bit but it'll be essentially any venue can go on and list would log into our database and you can list what you waste something that you know you can save that's going to be substantial enough for someone else to use yeah and then you it will be geotagged to your location yeah yeah. because you don't you don't want to be going to paramount if you live in Potts point yeah to to collect something you're just not going to do that because it's not convenient yeah and the whole idea of never wasted is convenience um, so you would, if you a yellow have have something that you're waste, you would then be geotagged, and anyone else that's involved in the, in never wasted in Pops Point would then be sent an email. Yeah, right. Like, hey, yellow, I've got this. Do you want to take it? And you would you would just go and go and collect it. Just go and for all, all we ask yeah. you to do is to say that you've collected it. Yeah. So then we can start to track where waste is going. Yeah, right. And is that where it's at now, or is that where it's we, we've got to build the tech? Oh, cool. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, we. we we hope to have it ready soon. Mm. Yeah, because yeah. where where is it at now? Like when 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 we're just that? we're just we're just on we're just getting people on board. Yeah, oh, okay, get, cool. Getting expressions of interest. Yeah, and since we since we made the video the back end of December and released that, we've it's gone from like a few bars in the CBD to being like hotels in Perth. Yeah. Oh wow. It's like venues in Brisbane, like regional Queensland. It's South Australia, Melbourne. It's gone everywhere. Have you had any venues that have surprised you that have jumped on? Yeah, there's, there's so many. It's like, <laughs> and, and, and it, but it's incredible. And we've not even really like gone and fought for it. There's like chains of, of like ten venues in Sydney. We want to, like we, we, we want every venue involved. Wow. Um, so people people are keen and people are, are very adaptable to change how they operate. Yeah. But also, you know, it's how like climate change and and how we see the planet i think because of because nature is everywhere even in the city and especially in sydney that you know people understand what what it means to to tackle climate change yeah and with the government here not doing enough to tackle it i mean australians feel that, like that they have to make the change themselves yeah, yeah. Um, as you do yeah and i think yeah i think change is coming here big time yeah sure it's also on a, on a kind of more micro level and consumer facing. It's never wasted. Is also our menu concept. So we've got eight we've got eight cocktails. Um, each links to a different producer or supplier, uh, and we kind of procure waste. Some sometimes more than one item. Sometimes just one item from them directly, and that makes up the the core focus of our menu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's kind of what it looks like within these four walls, and then. On a macro scale, that's that's where we're moving towards. Yeah, but ultimately, that never wasted, and how we move food waste around venues is like such a small part of what food waste is. Mm. Yeah. Um, so we we have plans to to do a marketplace for waste as well, um, where we would basically there's so much produce that never even leaves the farm, or the grower like doesn't have the right pickers, or it's been it's rained too much and there's fruit split and they just put it in the bin it's more convenient to put it in landfill yeah right so we want to 
get a big warehouse and we will be a fruit and veg supplier, but we would deal in waste <laughs> and you would get it for free and you would just pay it. You would pay a service charge for us to deliver, but then a proportion of that would then go into the pot to give back to the growers. Oh, yeah. For giving away their waste so, they, so they're benefiting from it. Because yeah. ultimately everyone needs to benefit. Yeah. Yeah, there needs to be there's some value attached to this produce, otherwise it remains waste. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. If, if it's zero value, then it's literally no one, no one gives a shit about it. Yeah, yeah right. The and, and that's why we, we pay for all our waste here. Yeah. Because if we're the only one benefiting from it, then literally the, the circle breaks down. Yeah, right. Um, and that's, that's obviously like... It was a three-year plan, but then we met like a local council person, and they were like, "Do it now." <laughs> <laughs> yes, chef. Okay. okay. It was like we've got this, this, this budget, infrastructure, buildings that are empty. Yeah. This is like, let's do it now. What, why, what are you waiting for? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, cool, sweet. <laughs> let's get it done. Oh, um, yeah. So, I, so I'm imagining this being kind of like another SDFP, but just for food waste. Yep. Essentially. Because I've been to the warehouse they've got out, out in West Sydney and it's just fucking it's giant. Tiny, tiny, isn't it? It's not. Oh, yeah, it's tiny. <laughs> absolutely tiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just like, it's crazy. Like, it is, yeah. it's massive just like from fucking peak early hours. It's just like trucks going in and out and they've just got crates of every. I've never seen so much yeah. spinach in my life. Yeah. Just ready to go. I, I only recently went out there, like, for the first time maybe a year ago. And it's something you just don't realize the scale oh. at which they operate. Like, yeah. I've been in hospitality most of my adult life. Yeah. And you order your produce, it comes from the provador, and there's a guy that rocks up at 9 a.m. in a truck and gives yeah. it to you. And you go and you see it, and you see the scale. And you see, it, you also see how much stuff is getting thrown away. It's mental. Like, it's, it's huge. For, the, for the, the 10 or so years that I worked in hospitality in London, I never once went to the market. Yeah. Oh yeah. Never went to the market and never visited a grower. Oh wow. Is that just not what that industry is like? Not what happens. Right. It's, it's so fast paced. Yeah. And your life is so quick and every everywhere feels so far away. And like <laughs> a two hour drive here is like just around the corner. Yeah. Right. Whereas a two hour drive in outside of London is like the biggest headache ever. Oh really? And no one does it. So you feel like that's one of the big differences between so yeah you, you're a lot you you see it you you're a lot closer to people you get to you get to communicate face to face with people who, who grow your produce yeah right whereas you never ever ever happens in the UK right it's just maybe the top end restaurants mm. like I find it we work with Simon Rogan who has Long Clume in the Lake District on when we when he did Claridge's and the, before we even when he's like yeah we want you to do our drinks. They, they put us on a train and they sent and they have to farm where they grow everything wow. um, and he and we went around the farm and spent the day there and and, and he, he set up he wanted to grow the perfect radish and he couldn't he said he couldn't get the perfect radish so he, he started growing them himself and it just evolved and then he's got like wind tunnels and stuff and and all of the produce for Long Claim comes from Fast Farm now. yeah I, and obviously he would have composted on his own farms so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Must, 100% he would have done and they they had like People, there was a chef who worked in the farm called Rory at the time, who actually came over here and worked at Bray. Oh, wow. Um, and then they had Silvio, who, who was like the science person behind it all. Yeah. Who yeah. understood growing. And yeah, they, they were the two people who worked on the farm. Fucking hell. And there's such a connection between the, tr- the van that takes it to the, the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. And the restaurant and now it, and it's like so intrinsically linked. Yeah, yeah. 
That's crazy. It's, it's so strange. It's probably the first time I've heard someone say how much harder it is to, to be able to connect with growers and suppliers in London because for, for all I've heard, whether it be especially in Europe or maybe even the outskirts of, of UK, not necessarily in a city, is that like everything's supposed to be like closer? Like, uh, uh, that's what they say. I don't know if it obviously don't, it could could very well be. And maybe it, it, in might, Europe, be di- it might be different to people who work like in Manchester yeah, or places yeah. where, or you know, in the in the home counties or where you're you're closer to farms. Yeah, but it, definitely not in London. <laughs> not a chance. <laughs> I I'll be very surprised if yeah. if anyone who works in a bar in London said they've visited a farm where they grow their strawberries or whatever yeah right it's, yeah wouldn't that be nice we we'd never we just never did it yeah yeah how, how do you feel about working in the, in, in, in the bars there compared to, to Sydney in terms of I talk about this with kitchen culture as well because I've talked to a lot of chefs who've gone and worked at like London kitchens and yeah. Europe kitchens and all that sort of shit and I think it's interesting to maybe talk about that from a bar perspective uh, what the culture is like from working in so it's so different in terms of just intense or is it just more I think, refined I think everyone gets paid more here yeah and there's definitely the work-life balance of how you treat your staff is a lot different here mm-hmm. um, and what employees to their employer expect out of the people who pay their wages yeah is totally different you, you you're definitely leaned on a lot more heavily in London to to work for shit pay for longer hours right. whereas here it's like hey I've worked my hours I just want to I just want to go to the beach right oh, and <laughs> I, I, just, I need my days off oh, yeah. and and it's yeah, right it's and it's, it's, it's 100% right like in London we we always we're always in the same bracket of pay because you, you can't afford to pay anyone more because your rent is so high right so there's it's more challenging but we always try to get people days off because I, I, I'm a firm believer in that people work better if they're rested. Yeah, sure. Whereas it's, it's a lot more structured here, like yeah. work-life balance structure with fair work and everything and, and penalty rates and, and it's, the structure breeds like time off. Yeah. What about, um, what about produce? When you, when you first moved to Australia, did you notice it? The first time I produce, I walked into a Coles and I was like, Oh my god, <laughs> this is coals, right? <laughs> you see produce everywhere, yeah. And it's like single pieces of fruit in a supermarket. And London is like pre cut in a punnet, oh, really? In plastic, like everything's like designed to be grab and go eat. Oh, fuck. um, that's mental. And there, there are like there are single where you weigh your produce and stuff and you put it in a bag, but it's very rare. <laughs> <laughs> that's insane. That should not shit you think about, eh? No, you yeah. just assume that you've got access to mango and pineapple and you can just walk into a shop and grab it whenever you want. Yeah. You, you, eat, you eat it like, it doesn't taste anything. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's probably cut up by a machine three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy because people almost think that shit's stupid now. The amount of times I see people complain when there's like just apples, but like just in a plastic fucking container with plastic around it being yeah. like this is fucking stupid you got apples I can just pick here like yeah. Yeah. or even I, just, I went to I went to Coles yesterday to get some bananas and it's like they've got the Cavendish bananas but then they've got their smaller bananas that they've just wrapped in tape and said kids bananas I was like they're just small bananas yeah. you know, why, why don't you tell us that they're kids bananas they're exactly like, the they're same the same <laughs> banana just size difference yeah. what the fuck like how stupid do I have to be like but, carrots you get a bag of carrots like why does it grab fucking 
France are obviously leading the way with like produce now. They just from I think last week it's now illegal illegal in France to put fresh produce in plastic. Oh really? Yeah. That's the way, huh? Yeah, it is illegal in they've known for a year that it was coming, but it's now illegal to put fresh produce in plastic. Shit. Yeah. That's crazy. So is that just like any sort of sort of packaging, not just the I actually I've don't got I actually don't know to the level and I'm, yeah, I'm right. still but that's I need to communicate start, right? with some of the people who work in, in, in bars and restaurants or obviously going to the yeah, supermarket yeah. but yeah and to catch up with some friends about it but yeah because I know it's, uh, I don't know if I read this last year but I'm not sure what specific state but they're definitely leaning towards cutting out like the single use plastics here whether it be like straws and shit like that I don't know if because they obviously give you that transitional period yeah so I, and I remember reading in Australia yeah I remember I think it's South Australia South Australia yeah, I think was it's it? South Australia yeah. it's going to be yeah, pretty, from March yeah right fuck South Australia is pretty progressive when it comes to that kind of yeah kind of yeah stuff. yeah but there is always that middle window right they give you a bit of time to yeah get rid of all your, sto- your straws in your storeroom and I wonder if New South Wales doing that then. I, don't, I don't actually know yeah they did it with Brexit didn't they they're like we're going to give you like 18 months to get your head around Brexit and then Brexit came and they fucked it up royally <laughs> <laughs> They didn't actually do anything in like 18 months. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that, I hope that Kept the world deals there, with that. value, reduced plastic better than we, the British deal with Brexit. Yeah, yeah. Which would be way better, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, do, have you worked in many kitchens, like, outside of Australia? No, not at all. Just so, I, I've kind of toyed with the idea of moving overseas, but, like, the, the idea of working in London and getting paid considerably less and not having access to a beach and that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, no, I've only ever worked in Australia. Yeah, yeah. L- London pay has changed now. And there's, since the reopening after lockdown, there's a lot less staff. So it's obviously a lot more competitive for getting good staff to come and work for you. Yeah, so right. now the pay rates have just gone boom. It's like on a par with here. Oh, wow. Yeah, people are getting paid the, the right amount to work in hospitality now. Shit, because there isn't any staff, and you have to pay people to to stay. That's that's how you you look after people now. You, and so now everything's going up, like the cost of food and drink is going up, um, and people are getting paid more. And is, that is, that's the only way to pay people more is by putting your prices up. Yeah, yeah. right. But the hours still the same. They're just paying them properly, maybe this time. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about the hours. <laughs> um, I've seen a few posts where people are saying like forty-two hours. Yeah, right. Um, which is forty-two. Yeah, but I think forty-two is, very, is acceptable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, and a lot, a lot of, a lot of UK is still hourly based. Right. But an, an hourly based employee in the UK, you still get holiday, you still yeah. get sick pay. It's not like the casual here. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think forty-two is okay. It's the um, it's always the reasonable overtime clause that gets you, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, you're, you're rostered for 38 or 42, which then becomes 49, 55 with reasonable overtime. Yeah, I think, I think 25% reasonable is not reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just don't understand, like, if you've worked, if you're contracted to do 42 and you do 43, that's, you just get paid yeah. the extra hour. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> it's, it's a really easy concept to figure out. If you do more than 42, you get paid for it. Yeah, I know. The, the I know. reasonable... I find the reasonable thing it's like someone's just gone yeah we'll just give them a little we'll give them a little leeway to get away with when it's like give them a pat on the back you work more you get paid more yeah yeah and this is how much you're going to get paid for your salary 
And if you go over, you're going to get paid. Paywall. It's very simple, isn't it? <laughs> it's really, really simple. And that's how people will end up staying working for you because yeah. you, you, you pay them for the work they do. Yeah. Have you felt like like have you felt like that's been kind of attacked at the same here after our lockdown? because I know there are a lot of like venues and, and shit offering competitive salaries for chefs, right? Because we're still pretty relatively understaffed in the kitchen. Is that the same for you guys? Like, not for you specifically, but of what you've heard in the bartending community, yeah. they've, they've also had to up their wages as well to kind of be a bit more competitive? Absolutely. Or is it more just the lifestyle that they've had to, you know, like... We're, we're quite fortunate in that we, you know, managed to retain quite a few staff after lockdown and find right. some really, really good stuff to come on board. Um, but it's the same as, as the kitchen at the moment. There's a massive shortage mm. and you're 100% right. People are paying, you know... 85 90k for a bar manager when in previously you'd be you'd be giving him 70k yeah 75 i it's think um, sorry to cut you off i think when everything opens back up i think there'll be a little fallout from it i think there'll be a lot of businesses that go hey we can't afford you anymore because yeah, they're trying to they're trying to recover you know that margin yeah it's unsustainable but but ultimately you're better off paying more money and having a full venue than running half venue because you don't have enough staff or having to close on a Monday or Tuesday yeah, yeah. because you just, the loss of revenue is just going to kill you yeah like there's, there's rent to pay at the end of the day it's like you, you can't pay the rent if you're only open like half your time <laughs> so what's the point in paying full rent yeah it's just mental yeah and, it, and we've just we've been doing it since we were open we, we've been closed three days a week yeah right um, and that, that's mainly out of the fact that a lot of people are staying at home yeah sure and half the nation's in lockdown <laughs> because they've got COVID. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a mini lockdown. Yeah. Um, but I think, there's a, I think there's a lot of positives to come out for the rest of the year. I think it's like really easy to sit and be negative about what's happened in the last year. But I think there's a lot of positives that have kind of come out of this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like everybody's pretty excited to get the, the customer bandwagon back. But um, I think what's, uh, what's so funny is this, is uh, as much as it was great to be back, uh, I feel like more people, more customers now, more than before, are more picky or more open to just like... Because, I don't know, it's like they have this kind of walk in and be like, oh, I can finally go to a restaurant. Like, uh, like I haven't, haven't been for a while and I have this kind of more more attitude of being able to have more say. or More being demanding. Like, more demanding, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's a really funny concept to just be like attacking. Like, because it's like... Because it's this little battle of when first restaurants open, it's like, okay, you know, we expect you to have this and this to yeah. be able to come in here. So then they kind of feel like they have to be like, oh, fuck me, everywhere I go, I've got to do this, this, this. And so it's almost this bite back. Yeah. Of being like, oh, well, you know, I want this and this and this from you that Which I would so, not It's before. so counterintuitive. You think it's that counterintuitive. people would be kind of in tune or aware of the fact that the hospitality industry has been peppered by months and yeah, months of yeah, lockdown. Yeah, yeah. And Restriction on revenue and everything. You think people would be a little bit more understanding? We've been we've been pretty good here. It been. I think it's it's really it's really easy to forget that because we're the the media that we consume is all about the industry that we work in. So you, I think it's easy to forget that this can there's consumers who have no idea about hospitality. They don't yeah. understand. Yeah. You be, you think that everyone knows you know the supply chain, how it all works, how the staff come to work, how, and you know how you how you then service guests. I think we think that everyone understands it. Yeah. But I think hardly anyone does. It's crazy, yeah. Uh, it just yes. baffles me the amount, amount of times you're dealing with people and they're like, 
just the decency. Yeah, they, you they, know, they like, really have no idea that like, just three of your staff aware. might have COVID and you and you literally running tonight. Yeah, yeah. they've just clocked off work at the bank across the road. They've got no idea. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, it's so mental. Like I, the, the way I think about this is that like I was going from my ride on my bike, getting some groceries from Carl's, and uh, <laughs> being just riding on a bike path, or just not, or just a regular path, and just like trying to tap the bell and just wait for people to kind of hear it and move out of the way is just if how I feel like running a, a hospitality venue <laughs> with customers. You're like, you're, le- yeah. you're giving them a heads up, letting them know, but they just look around and go, who the fuck are you? Like, I've still not got used to people riding on pavements in Australia. <laughs> is that not a thing in the UK? <laughs> no. Really? What do you mean? If you ride on a pavement in the UK, you get pushed off. Oh, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> you ride, if you're on a bike, you ride on the road. Oh, so I'll ride yeah, but then I people, don't trust people. Then people here get the shit too Well, people in Australia can't drive. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, that lane, bang, not even. Yeah. And you're like, it. shit. <laughs> Why is he on the road? Push yeah, I would, I would never Just ride a push bike. door, cook him out. I would never ride a push bike on a bike, yeah. Oh, on the road yeah. wow <laughs> but that's how I feel when I imagine that I'm like this is what it's like having a restaurant with customers you're just like giving them heads up they just don't give a fuck yeah there's no decency and I'm like fuck this like, yeah get it's out of here you cunts the combination of, of decency and just being unaware and you know, being consumed by your own life yeah, to the yeah, point yeah. where you don't you're not you know cognizant of what's happening around you in a restaurant yeah but you haven't had any have any assholes coming in being like I think it's different in a bar, isn't it? Yeah, and you, to be honest, man, we've had them for the, the entirety of our careers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you, it's just it's just part and parcel of hospitality. Sometimes you get a wanker, sometimes you don't. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen, I haven't noticed like a, a kind of rise of wankers. Of wankers. Yeah. No. Yeah. No wanker rise. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think. I think bars. Are, I think bars are different on there. In a bar, you just you know that there's like. There's a smaller food menu, yeah. And there's drinks, and you just order, yeah. And yeah. you might, and you might, you might know, go, hey, you got some hot chips, and, <laughs> and that's like, I think it's generally in bars, more people are more rude, yeah, in their demeanour rather than wanting to demand demand things, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe that's more of a restaurant thing, you know, the, the whole concept of being waited on, and yeah, the old, the, the click, and yeah. I think the the dynamics different, probably. I think food is something that you eat to survive yeah so, and alcohol's not so i think there's the, the the mental switch of what you eat and what you drink are two totally different things right um and yeah i think when you've got like when you've got a massive menu of like food items and you see different things and you go hey can i switch that out you know no and, and but they think they think it's really easy just to switch something from a dish to the other right dish. gotcha so I, I think the thought process in a restaurant and a bar are, are, are so different. So you haven't had any, like, haven't had someone come in and ask for a margarita with no, no sugar or something? Yeah. Oh, we get that. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. that's we, the standard, though. Yeah, we, we, get, we, we get loads of that. That's the standard, though. But yeah, you, just, yeah, yeah. You, just, you just do it. I think we're, we're quite fortunate because of who we are and the concept we have. We get quite a few guests who come in for that and they're genuinely fascinated and interested in the whole kind of sustainability loop and want to have that conversation but then at the same time we get people who finish work on a friday and they just want to come in and smash gin and tonic so yeah right we get we get heaps of locals it's it's a really kind of interesting melting pot um, yeah 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 but yeah, they've been pretty they've been pretty understandings can i uh can i can i kick this off onto, onto a very different direction yeah is um i feel like this is a good question to kind of reflect instead of uh, when i was thinking about tackling and having both of you on i thought well instead of it being a I talk to you for 10 minutes, talk to you for 10 minutes, kind of get a backstory. Maybe a good kind of way to, to banter about reflecting. And this would be good for your time in London and, and you yeah. and Bathurst out in the country. 
Not that, not that I don't. Did you, you never worked at a bar in Bathurst though? You just oh, from Bathurst. We did. Oh man. Oh, you did. <laughs> oh, we did. I worked in the bar. The what? The one the, bar. The yeah, yeah, yeah. On the yeah, main exactly. road. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Elephant Castle Hotel. Oh yeah, right. Believe it. Bathurst That's has right. Bathurst has like three pubs per person. What do you like, mean? Seriously, there's a, there's a lot. No, not seriously. Oh, but there's right. a, there's a lot, a lot of venues. Um, and the Elephant Castle was like, when I was there, was the student pub. Obviously, Bathurst is a uni town, so that's yeah, like yeah. the late night. If you're 18, 19, 20, that's where you go. Yeah, yeah my brother's told me stories. He did his paramedics oh, degree at yeah, Charleston. I'm probably oh, pretty man. Him. Yeah, you probably, yeah, probably know him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're um, probably out having a drink and he's just out there fucking yeah. helping the next guy in his van. I was, so I worked there I worked there when I was 18. It feels, feels like a million years ago and two weeks ago at the same time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was, yeah, I was, I was just fresh out of school. I was an amateur cricketer, not a professional one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is that where these stars align? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. He looked at you and thought, mate, you're shit. What's going on? Yeah. I was, um, yeah, so I was 18 when I first started. Yeah, and yeah. And moved to Sydney for journalism, uh, to, to study journalism at uni. And just, yeah, yeah. No, it just wasn't for me. I did two years and I hated it. And I think I was working at Shady Pines at the time and I was loving that, obviously. Uh, and then that just triggered a career switch and I'm just kind of chasing. Yeah. Well, I feel like this next next topic is always great because... As much as I, I, it might be the most consistent question I ask, I feel like it's the best topic yeah. because it's so relatable, but it also is very kind of humble in its, in its thought. Um, and for the first time last week, I actually had Ben Sears from Ezra. He's, he couldn't think of it straight away, but had to ask me. And it was the first time I had to actually kind of think about it. I ask these questions all the time. Yeah. But it's, it's obviously the conversation of, of being most in the shit, right? And uh, I like this question because... Like I said, it's it's very humble because it's 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 a place where, however good you are in, in your career or life, there's always going to be a, a kick in the knee. You know, yeah. there's always going to be a thing where you have to really think about and go, well, fuck me. Like, I thought I could, I thought I'd be better than this, but somehow found myself in the <laughs> shit, and I got to figure myself out, right? And I had, oh and man, trust me, I've had like Eli Holland tell me story after story. I've had Nelly just countless stories of him yeah. being in the shit. So it's like all these like guns in the industry that still find themselves having a fucking laugh at the end of the day. Oh, dude. You know, and, and I, I feel like this is important to, to talk about. Or not important, I think it's just hilarious to fucking talk about. But um, yeah, if you, if, if you can reflect and, 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 and think about maybe some times, whether it be even now or, or across from when you started, because it's also... What I think is good about it is it reminds you how far you've come, but also how far you've got to go, you know? And I feel like, I don't know, maybe at this place you'd find yourself... In the shit sometimes. But for a completely different reason, because it's the concept of what it is. Even, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think, like, not, not existentially in the shit, but I've had heaps <laughs> of moments um, in my career when I've been in the shit. Uh, one of them, I've got heaps of stories, actually. I nearly, I, nearly, oh, I, nearly, I, nearly, I nearly burned Frankie's pizza down one day. Oh, bullshit. Like my first... So I barbacked at Shady Pines and barbacked at Baxter and kind of hopped around until I became a bartender at Frankie's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First shift there, you're out in the, the front pizzeria, someone orders a margarita or whatever, and you throw it in the oven. When it's ready, you pull it out and you whack it on a paper plate. Yeah. But I mixed the order of that up because I'm a, I'm a genius and I put the paper plate in the oven... And I think it started fucking smoking, set on fire. Um, so that's... I nearly nearly burnt Frankie's pizza down on my very first shift. <laughs> what else? I, I've actually... I hold the world record for the world's biggest egg white omelette. What do you mean? So, 
Fuck me. That's <laughs> just laughing. I, um, yeah, I was, I was a bar back at Shady Pines and um, we do, did a lot of whiskey sours, so we'd order in <laughs> egg white in these big 10 litre bladders. Yeah, yeah. Come yeah. frozen. Um, and I think it was, it was like a busy Friday, Saturday night. And the boys were like, fuck, we need egg white. We need it now. Get that defrosted as soon as possible. We need to refill this egg white. So I was kind of looking around. I was like, how the fuck am I going to do this? So I threw it in the glass wash. Yeah, yeah. To, hit, to, to defrost it. I just hit, hit the cycle. Went off to do my thing, turned around and opened it. And 10 litres of egg white just spills out of the machine. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like 7 p.m. on a Friday night. Fuck me. Yeah. So yeah, I've, I've mate, I've been in this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's yeah, burning burning a place down would be bad. Yeah, well, nearly. nearly. It'd be what Stokehouse Q in fucking Brisbane. <laughs> I think the most the most in the shit I've ever been was the first day of the first bar I ever opened. We opened Pal in in London, and we had the first first day we had like loads of people coming down. Yeah, yeah. From the offices over the road, we've like sold in like we're this new bar. We're going to do theatrical stuff and all that sort of shit. And we were like, yeah, we're the shit. Come to our bar. And then the, the f- people were arriving, and we didn't have any glassware. Any glassware? <laughs> Not one. <laughs> the way that's our, our glassware supplier was like supposed to deliver in the morning. Fuck. And they were like, yeah, yeah, we're going to have glassware. Um, and there was people. Literally, I remember standing on the bar thinking, "Fuck, how <laughs> how are we going to serve these people?" Yeah. yeah. And, the, as, and then they would start walking around the corner, and there's like there's the boxes start coming in. So we're we've got boxes on the floor, taking boxes out, taking the label off, and putting drinks in dirty glasses. <laughs> Fucking oh. hell! That's crazy. That was the first day we were like, and then. Two hours later, the, the toilet went down because it was flooded, and I was like, "Oh my oh, god, yeah. what a good, what a good bar this is!" <laughs> First day. First day, no glassware, <laughs> dirty glasses. Like, fuck. We've had moments here. Do you remember the first week of food here? <laughs> Running out of food like <laughs> half an hour in service. We ran out. Yeah, we um, we're all bartenders. We kind of had Alex from Icebergs do a lot of the food for us. Oh, so nice. We'd kind of order it and let him know each day what we needed and. We sold out at 4.30 the first day, and then I think yeah. 4.45 the second day. And we're, and we're calling up, like... Double it, triple hey, it. Hey, mate, are you, se- are you sending uh, aubergine over eggplant? He's like, no. He's like, can we get some? So we, we open in two hours. And there's like, there's constantly Ubers coming from to, yeah. Bond, like, <laughs> to deliver food to us because we're in the shit. Yeah. Back when we were doing... Um, and we, yeah. Flatbreads. And flatbreads and bartender... Food. Bartender food because we didn't have a chef, so it was like when oh, there was a fuck. food order, one of us would just turn around and bang the lobber, lobber into the Breville oven, <laughs> in the Breville, in the Breville pizza oven. <laughs> That's the genius. Yeah, yeah, fuck yeah we're a lot more organised now. Oh, yeah, That's yeah, the yeah. beauty of it, though, isn't it? It's the journey from those oh, in, the, in the shit moments to not being as in the shit. Oh, mate, it's yeah. unbelievably fucking uncanny. Yeah. Just, it's so good. Like, you know you need to be thrown him sometimes just to remind you that you, you, you know, just for a bit of fun. It's still human. It's still yeah, it's still human. Yeah. yeah, like the amount of times we've had power outages go off in a kitchen and in different kitchens, the head chef will be like, what are you doing? Like, fucking, like there was one time like yellow was out of power. Yeah. So, um, let me think about it. Most of it's gas, yep. right? So you've got the gastos, but uh, you've got... Lights go out. Yeah, lights go out. You've got the exhaust fan out. So if you cook anyway, it'd be fucking steamy as hot. It's completely dark. 
your oven's off as well. And so it's like anything that you need to steam, like we literally set up chopping boards at the front of yellow on the tables and we we're just all out there just fucking chopping really? away. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it's like, well, it's too dark and unless you've got fucking torch lights, but that's more dangerous. You can't just stop service. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can't stop. Meals, yeah, exactly. You don't know when it's going to come on. Yeah, so you yeah. just got to keep prepping. So it's yeah. like, you know, and even, even so, like there was even one night that we, um, another restaurant, we just fucking set up candles next to the stove while yeah. the customers were at the front and we just put candles on their tables and we're just like and just serving food and it's like my they're Lord. the awesome stories though right because at the time you're so stressed and you're like yeah, what yeah. are we doing I hope this turns out right and then the customers are more often like oh it was so beautiful yeah, yeah. People, you're like fuck it thank god people like, appreciate <laughs> the kind of humour of the moment don't yeah, they? yeah 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 I remember a couple of years ago doing a guest shift in Shanghai fuck and, and uh, I went to the airport from here and they were like oh you, your name's not right on your ticket so I called the guys in, in Taiwan who booked it and they're like, oh yeah, sorry. And then they would not let me fly. So they had to book me a new ticket to leave from the next morning. So it turns out I, I was arriving into Shanghai and I had an hour, an hour and a half to get to my flight, to Fuck. get to the guest shift, prep, get changed to make drinks. Fuck, <laughs> and I, I got to the visa queue and there's like the biggest queue in the world. It took me two and a half hours to get through, to get through visa. Drove in Shanghai, arrived to a guest shift three hours late. <gasps> and the, the, the guest shift was four, four hours. Fuck me. <laughs> and, and I'm, and I'm taking, hour, and I've got my suitcase <laughs> at the end of the bar. Yeah, yeah. Opened up next to the bar back and he's passing me bags and I'm cutting and making drinks for people. Fuck me. And it's like, get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That'd have been awful. Give me a martini right awful. now. Like, yeah. And, and I was like, <laughs> I'm so sorry. This is like, this is me. <laughs> I'm awesome. <laughs> And, but people were like everyone loved it because they understood the situation they could see my suitcase yeah yeah and, yeah, yeah. and, and after like probably for the last I, I ended up staying longer but at, at like an hour in we are kind of caught up and we, we got to a position where we could make drink, the proper drinks yeah yeah but it was like oh my god what, what is going on here and then <laughs> I literally left got on another flight and flew to and flew to Hong Kong fucking hell what for an alligator shift dinner or for a break I actually had to go to Hong Kong because my visa was iffy. <laughs> I, I was on a transit visa in Shanghai. <laughs> so I had to leave China and then re-enter on another transit visa to do another guest shift. Oh, and I, and like, we drove for like two and a half hours. I got to the border in Shenzhen and they were like, no, nah, you can't come in. You need a visa. Fucking hell. So, and then Hong Kong wouldn't let me back in because I, I was like stuck in no man's land of in between two countries. Yeah, yeah. And luckily... The girl who drove me there came and got us and she talked to people and they let me back into Hong Kong and we had to drive around for four hours to another visa entry area so I could get a visa. Fucking hell. So yeah, I arrived to Guangzhou really late for the next guest shift too. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. That's so funny. I wonder, the last thing I wanted to talk about as well is just like having, having the mindset to approach something like Re or, or whether it is something for, for me I feel like it's yellow it's kind of very different concept approach to food mm. and having the mindset is important for that because you need to be able to be ambitious enthusiastic like curious enough to be able to do that and what I want to really kind of touch on is is where you develop that in the first place because it's not something I feel like you learn it's something that you kind of have a you develop a passion for over a number of years over a period of time you know like like i don't know like for me for example 
working in this kitchen is just kind of a journey of of being plant-based after learning so much yeah. about the realism of the of the industry and the world that you kind of once you see it you see it everywhere yeah. you know you talk yeah. about these bins for example once you know once you know the brand you see it everywhere and it's like you kind of and, and over that time over that experience you, you start to it starts to grow and you go fuck like this is a bigger issue than I realised mm-hmm. like and then you start to really think about it all the time and then you start to think about well, what you can do about it you know you start to you start to open up venues start to work at venues start to change your practices your way of thinking but also the biggest thing about that is the motivation yeah you could you could have the curiosity but every day you wake up and thinking fuck like I need to do this. I need to push. I need to have goals that I can set in one week, in three months to be able to change something, to make something better. Like, where, where did that develop where for the that? both of you? And, like, did, did that mindset, have you had that since growing up as a kid, whether you've used that same mindset for sports, for example, or, like, the discipline of, of being, at like, an athlete, for example? And, and do you, does I that think, cross over? I think it's definitely a different mindset. Yeah. I, mean, I was playing sport you you kind of it's ingrained in your brain that the next day you have to be better than the day before yeah and you have to learn from what you from the day before and that's how you improve so i'm a big believer in like you improve and get better every single day and that's venues as your habits as a person what you do at home like daily life but i think it's about making things seem normal the more you make this seem normal then it's just it's just part of what you do and if you've got an open mind to go what we do is not much different to how a lot of ours operate we just get stuff that people don't want rather than the stuff that is premium and they pretty much taste the same so it seems different at what we do but actually how we separate our bins is a little bit different but it's, it's fairly normal and if you if you walk in here as a, a new employee going it's so different I'm not going to get my head around it and then you go I think you leave knowing that it's fairly normal because of how we've set the venue up then it's easier to get your head around and yeah. I think that's just the way I approach it, things that are different is you know if I'm if I'm resistant to change how's that how's that going to help anything and just if you're op- if you have an open mindset, things are a lot lot easier. I think that kind of that kind of dedication to a concept and desire to kind of wake up and push yourself creatively, and that that is the kind of binding thought behind everything you do. I think I think it's really I think it's difficult to teach that or kind of push that onto somebody. Uh, I think it here it's picked up a lot through osmosis it's almost like being around that this concept inspires people to kind of push their own process rather than you saying here's the training program this is the way you have to think blah 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 blah. just by being in this environment you tend to you tend to want to push yourself you know what I mean like it's not like it's being pushed upon you it's just just being around it And, and part of that's innate I think you know some people are naturally going to be gravitate towards towards this kind of thing than others um, but it's less about in, less about enforcing in a kind of specific education and more about it being all encompassing and then staff kind of find themselves embedded within that mindset and yeah. it kind of impacts them yeah, yeah. you know what I mean yeah 
have you had many staff since since April coming here? Have you seen their kind of mindset or their their approach to everything really change? Where where it's not just them following like code and protocol, but you can yeah. really start to see the way they're thinking change from the from the first step that they've taken in this door. I think it mainly changes from process rather than concept. Right. It's like having more tools at your disposal to to be more creative in how you take something solid and, and turn it into liquid. Yeah. I think I think the biggest limiting thing is your own imagination. And once once you unlock a person's imagination of what you can and what you can do and how you can be can be creative, I think that is the biggest difference is the, 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 the things that we have at our disposal to be creative because a lot of people don't have that at their disposal the, the bars they work in they might be very limited in what they can produce whereas you come in and there's, there's a lot more tools at your disposal yeah yeah everyone always wants to use the road of that as soon as they start working <laughs> um, yeah I think that's right having that having the access to the, the tools and the processes and all the equipment and stuff you you come in and you're excited and you're excited to use it and put the ideas that you have in place. And lots of staff kind of come in brimming with ideas and you kind of have to temper the enthusiasm a little bit. It's like learn how to operate a station first and, and whatnot and we kind of go through the creative process. Oh, them. right. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like any bar, you know, you have to kind of you know, walk before you run. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. All right, well, if we can just finish on maybe kind of some, some of the cool shit that m- might be coming up, whether it be for yourselves individually on the side or, or also with Rhea as well, like if we can f- finish on just maybe some, yeah, some cool things that are, that are coming up or maybe just some of the things that you want to achieve through this place in the next coming months as well. I think the cool stuff coming up is never wasted for me. It's like yeah. getting, getting never wasted off the ground and seeing seeing how we can all, as an industry, work together to create some change and, this, and, to sh- and for Sydney to be the city that starts it mm. and to be the shining light of like how we tackle food waste as a city um, is exciting for me. When is that? When are you hoping for that to be? To, like, I know you've got to figure it, out it first. Could, it could be two weeks. It could be six months. Yeah, right. It's, it's, Figuring it's, out there's the a tech. Lot, there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping it's very soon. Yeah, cool. That'd be sick. What about yourself? Personally, ah, personally, for, for emotionally, re, for re, never wasted has always been the kind of natural continuum of what we do here. Yeah, like it's always been the been the kind of thing that we've all been looking forward to. Yeah, and and will make the biggest impact on a community scale. Yeah, um, for me, a bit of travel, definitely. Same with Matt. We're both kind of clucking to to leave leave Australia just for a couple of weeks and do some pop ups. Yeah, that'll be really cool. Um, yeah, man, it's always side hustles and little hustles. Yeah, yeah. We keep busy. I feel like that could be could be interesting. Yeah. I reckon that'd be sick. Yeah. Well, appreciate you jumping on and talking absolute shit. Yeah. I do appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. It's nice to kind of get back and talk about shit again. And yeah, man, this is, this is a really good one. Really so, fun. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for anyway, having us. Right, Thank you so man. much. All good. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please follow or leave a review at wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also check out the new website over at rootshospitality.com.au. Be sure to subscribe to hear about the latest guest, new behind-the-lens photos, and much more. Cheers.